welcome to episode number 131 of Take Him With You for August 7th, 2011. Oh, play me some mountain music Like Grandma and Grandpa used to play Then I'll float on down the river To Cajun Hideaway I felt like playing some country music today. What do you think? Well, I like it. I don't know about... I'm just... You know, I'm always surprised when I hear you play country music because I know that's not your favorite. Well, I used to be in a band, a country band, and this was the song that we played in a contest. I was in Maria and the Fly-By-Night Band. I played the piano and sang harmony. This very song right here. Yeah. Yeah, that was before me, though. So I didn't remember. I, I never saw you perform country. Oh, you would have liked it. I, I probably would have. Yeah. I, I like Maria. I've met Maria several times. She's a nice You lady. met Maria of Maria and the Fly-By-Night Band. Yeah, I actually met Maria before she was in the Fly-By-Night Band because her aunt's farm was right across the street of my farm growing up, and we played together as kids. Wow. That's exciting. Yeah. Yes, it's, you know, country thing to do. Yeah, well, we're not talking about country music today. We're going to be talking about being elastic. Elastic? Well, things bad sometimes happen to us, and how we get through them depends on how flexible we are. Ah, so that's we're where talk elastic about, comes Yeah, in. becoming elastic. Becoming so flexible. stick around, plus a review of Rise of the Planet of the Apes, a, um, a review of the iPad case called The Handstand, and some cool stuff going on around our house, so... Stick around for more of Take Him With You. Okay, and then they go into this cool instrumental break, and it, it's a blast. And I'm not going to play it all here, but this is uh, the band called Alabama. Did you know that? Um, you know, I I didn't have a lot of like country albums growing up, but my dad used to play country music in the milk parlor. The really? cow The cows liked it. No. Yeah, they did. They liked country music. Yeah. Cows. Yeah. What does that say? What does that say well, about they country were music? Country cows. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's right. It must have really moved them. I I think that you know having relaxing music on in the milk parlor helped with their milk production. You think country music is relaxing? Well, some of it, not mm. all of it. That was getting to be a little what they used to call twangy heel heel stomping or toe tapping or heel stomping. Yeah, <laughs> it it was getting pretty, you know upbeat but all right yeah i remember when we were building an addition on our house our our uh, second house that we had our first house and we built an addition and uh, there happened to be a band out that um 
uh, sang country that I listened to a bunch while constructing our audition. Do you remember that? Yes, was it White River? Maybe? White River, yeah, yes. I really like them. Yeah. Very good. They have all sorts of cool music out. You should hear some of them. You want to hear some? Sure, a little bit. All right, here we go. I like my straight leg Levi's. I like my Justin boots. I like the smell of fresh cut hay. The early morning dew And I like the Stetson hat And I like the feather bed And I like my pinto beans With a pan of fried cornbread And I like my gospel country I like the slide of the steel guitar And there's something about twin fiddles That puts a melody I don't know if God is partial to country music or not, but that is a kind of a fun song, isn't it? Yeah, well, it says he likes it when we make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So, I mean, some people might think country music's kind of noisy, I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm not sure how to dig myself you out can, of that one. You can find White River on iTunes, and you can also find them on YouTube. That's where I found them. Yeah. They don't, they're not together anymore, but... Uh, they had. I particularly like their singer Bruce Haynes was his name, and he had a couple of solo albums out as well. Very, very good music. What are you doing? Oh my! Um, you keep throwing my your mic microphone stand away. Has was falling down because it's broken. And yeah, we're our mic. Her mic stand it. broke. We're we're going to need to purchase a new mic stand maybe before next week's podcast. Yeah. Well. Well, there's we're in Aberdeen. Cheap, They're though. not around here. Yeah, you have to order them from far away lands, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So right now I'm holding my mic stand up. <laughs> Do you want me to push pause so you can fix it? That would be nice. Okay, we'll be right back after this. Hello, Dan here. Well, you have impeccable taste since you're listening to this wonderful podcast. It's one of my favorites too. If you feel that you could squeeze another show into your regular listening though, why don't you give mine a go? It's called Out of Range and I talk about the things I love. Everything from geeky TV, classic toys and brand new technology and gadgets. You may find something you like or be introduced to something you've never heard of. Search for Out of Range in iTunes or go to the website at dangelous.com slash outofrange. I'd love to hear from you. Now the next... Happy listening. Oh, sorry about that, Dan. Hey, the next um, Out of Range podcast is going to be on the Transformers, the cartoon. Oh, yeah. I, I used to watch that when I babysat. So he's taking um, he's taking time. comments and stuff if anybody yeah. wants to send them in to him. It was about <coughs> 26 years ago that I watched the tra Transformers Remember? cartoon. Transformers more than meets the eye. Isn't it Transformers, Robots in the Sky, or something like that? Robots, robots in Disguise. In disguise. I thought it was in the sky. 
<laughs> robots in the sky. Well, you know when they when they morphed into a giant transformer, they were kind of looked like they were in the sky. For those of you that don't know what transformers are, what planet do you live on? They are basically vehicles that turn into robots, or robots that turn into vehicles to disguise themselves, and they're from space. Well, um, I listened to both the first and second podcasts of um out of range out of range and you know the first podcast was like just our the first in, podcast the intro just the intro and yeah. trying to see if it worked and then the second podcast was on monkeys monkeys and that, i've never heard of it yeah that's something we've never seen in the united states but you know the more i listened the more i thought oh that seems like a really interesting show it, oh it kind of reminded us of a show that I tried not to let my kids watch. The when Power they were Rangers, because I thought that it would cause them to fight too much, because <laughs> they were always fighting. Um, but then I found out you let them watch it sometimes. But um, that Power Ranger show, because they that were always Power Ranger show doing like karate and stuff. But but evidently monkeys had a lot to do with like Chinese or Japanese mythology and. Um, it, it sounded a little bit interesting, a little corny maybe, but well, yeah, you know, that was kind of what kid shows were. <coughs> I thought yeah. it was interesting. I'd never heard of it before I, ever. I hadn't either. And your friend Stefan from Australia, our friend Stefan, I uh -huh. talked to him too. Yeah. Um, he went on and on about how how much he loved it as a kid and how all the kids um loved it and kind of equaled out, you know, all the different kind of peer groups at school because they were all into it interesting that was kind of cool yeah very interesting well anyway you should listen to out of range podcast with dan because he's awesome yeah and you can learn about tv that hasn't been in america yeah <laughs> that was one it was popular in the uk and australia and yeah pretty cool yeah, but we had never heard of monkeys before. Pretty cool, I guess. I mean, I've heard of monkeys before, but yeah, never the monkey. Yeah, but not that the show of monkeys. Yeah, like, hey, hey, we're the monkeys, or those kind of monkeys. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I got a, a mythology lesson about um, Chinese mythology. Yeah, great. The Jade Emperor and all that. Fantastic. Yeah, our dog's named Jade. So Our dog's named Jade. Yeah. Our son named Jade. Yes. I think it has a Star Wars name. Is it a Star Wars name, Andrew? Andrew is one of the characters in, in Star Wars, the Star Wars books or something named Jade. No. no. Oh, how did she get her name? He just made it up? Wow. My Andrew son. My Andrew son, you make up a name for my dog. Andrew's my hero this morning. Do you want to know why? Um. Okay. Because he made breakfast for all of us. Um, I helped. Yeah, you made the eggs. But he made um, ham and hash browns, and it was yummy. Thank you for breakfast, Andrew. Yeah, that was nice of you. That was great. So going on around our house, all sorts of things. It was a busy week again. Uh, not as busy for me, but it was busy for you. Yeah, well, yeah, I had... I only work four days this week. They were four long days, but but you work Saturday, work so last Saturday. Last Saturday, yeah. yeah. So, um, but Thursday I took a day off work because my cousin had asked me if I wanted to go to the Seattle Art Museum with her. Okay. And it was um, no, don't mean to sound like a cheapskate, but it costs a lot of money for gas and parking to go up there. 
But this particular, the first Thursday of the month, is a free um, day <coughs> to look at all the exhibits for free. So, I mean, it wasn't a free day for us to go up there because it cost $21 for parking and quite a bit of money for gas. And then we ate at lunch. But it was a lot of fun. And um, we went to um, a really neat exhibit um, of paintings from the 1800s where they had different survey crews come out to the the Great West um, where we live in Colorado and California Washington Territory, or I think it's called Oregon Territory at the time, and um, they had different artists go with these survey teams, and they took sketches and went back and painted these grand pictures, and those pictures influenced the presidents that were to, you know, at the time and, and in the future to make our great national parks like Yosemite and the Grand Canyon You're National Park. You're getting quieter as you talk. Um, am I closer now? It's difficult because the oh, broken mic stand. Okay. So it was, they were gorgeous paintings. You just wanted to walk into the paintings and live there. They were beautiful. And then we. Were um, they accurate? Some of them were. Some of them were more sensational, um, where they went back and kind of remembered different aspects like one of them was supposed to be the Puget Sound and and yet I think it may have been more like up along the Strait of Juan de Fuca up along that part but they didn't have real accurate maps then but they had a de depiction of big mountains and they had um like the like oceans the, right next the to ocean it. right next to it and I thought that looks more like Looking up towards Port Angeles in the, um, looking up at the Olympic Mountains than it would be at the Sound, but, but, you know, they didn't have real accurate maps at the time. And they so didn't they, have their little, uh, pocket cameras that they could just yeah take a little digital picture and then bring it back and paint it, did no. they? So they, he probably, what the guy probably did on some of those things is had several sketches and kind of make them into one painting. Right. And so they they had you know Native Americans. So they actually had the, the real and, the real paintings from that time. Yeah, it was they were amazing, and some were like as big as our living room wall. They were like wow. huge. I I don't know if they would have even fit in our living room on the whole wall. Um, some of them were really big, and others were small. And and they also had um, some photographs from the 1800s on the original glass. Because they used to have to use these big glass plates mm -hmm. and carry around these huge glass plates with them. And it was quite a feat to take photos in the mid-1800s. And would they break them sometimes, I would imagine? Yeah, sometimes. But, you know, some survived and thankfully they are in the museum now. So you saw picture, actual pictures made from those? They They were on the glass plates, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder how they do that. Yeah, well, it was a process. It was chemicals. I actually did something similar to that when I took um, a lithography class in college, Yeah, which is a fancy name for um, silk screening. Right. But we used a similar process where we used chemicals that we painted on um, glass, and then we set our, we made kind of a negative out of it with the sun. You put it out in the sun. Oh, really? So there's different chemical processes, but it was quite a 
quite a big deal to take a picture back in the 1800s. Yeah, it wasn't people like had it is to today. sit still for like five minutes because it took so long to expose the. Right, and then you and then you uh, look at what we do today, and we take I take hundreds. at least hundreds and hundreds of pictures at one photo session. Yeah, and then throw away most of them. And and then you know you might only get a few pictures while the lighting was right because you didn't have control of the lighting like you can now. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. Crazy. Pretty so what else well. was good at the art museum? Anything other cool other oh, than that? There's a lot of things that were cool. We actually didn't see all the art museum because there's four floors. And my cousin wanted to go see this. Um, oh, what was it's a sculpture park down at the end of the waterfront. If someone's visiting Seattle, Washington, and you go to the far end of the waterfront to the north end. Um, then, you know, the kind of the fairies are on one end and then the other end is the sculpture park. Uh. And we got to see some fun sculptures. And one thing that was interesting is there is a giant sculpture of a, um, typewriter eraser. And, um, I looked to my cousin who's just a few years older than I am. And I said, just wait, the girls were coming up behind us. They I didn't said, know what it was. They won't know what that is because they that's an antique thing. They've grown up with computers and word processors yeah. on the computer and they didn't know what how a did typewriter you, How did you was. learn typing when you were in school? Did you have those electric typewriters? We had very loud electric typewriters yeah. and every single day I got a headache in typewriting class. Mrs. Sexton was my Poor lady. She got so razzed for her name. But uh, <laughs> we, we'd go into her class and they'd have rows and rows of electric typewriters. And they were all really loud. When you turn them on, they'd all go. And then like there that. was a loud ding yeah. every time we got to the end of the row. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was so loud. But I learned how to type in her class. Between between the fluorescent A-S-D-F-L, lights. A-S-D-F-G-H. J-K-L. Yeah. Yeah. Between the fluorescent lights and the loud noise, I think typewriting was one of my least favorite classes. And then when they came out, when they came out with computers, most of the people immediately went to them for the word processing in them. And, and now, nowadays you don't ever see a typewriter hardly ever. I remember, I remember you teaching me how to use a word processor on the computer. I was so intimidated that I was going to like hit the wrong button and, and Blow erase the, everything or yeah. i was just so scared of them but now it's just like i i think it would be painful to have to go back and write a paper the way we used to in college where oh. we would either handwrite it or type it and if you made a mistake guess what you hand wrote you hand wrote it out or, or you, you used typed white it out. out again yeah. the whole thing yeah. again yeah oh it was like it was took forever i remember um writing my papers out um, on a legal pad and then going getting time at the library to use their their typewriter and then typing mm-hmm. into the typewriter and then bringing it to class but uh boy it was just a hassle compared to well, what it is and now. yeah and now today if you want to like change paragraphs around it takes seconds whereas you'd have to just type it all over again or write it all over again yeah. it's just like so much different using a word processor than when we used yeah, to. Yeah, we're spoiled now. Can aren't you we? imagine when people would write novels oh. by hand? Yeah, and you know, four or five hundred pages. Yeah, 
at least of handwritten, probably maybe a thousand of ha handwritten yeah. pages. And then and it then, all had to be typeset. And then if you had to edit it and change it, that meant writing all those over again as you got it. Yeah. As you got it proofed, and wow, that would have just been amazing. It's amazing that people had the the patience. skill and the patience and dedication to write novels back yeah, in the day. It really is. It had to be all written out by hand. Okay, so anything else cool about the day in Seattle? Um, yeah, but I don't want to say this name wrong. We went to this Japanese grocery store. I think it was called Uji Mama. Uji, Uji Mamas? Uji Ramas. Oh, Uji Rama. It was a hard name to pronounce, but <coughs> it was kind of wild. I, I like Uji Mama. We had, um, they had a bunch of restaurants in the store. They had like six or eight different like Asian things. They had a Thai and Hawaiian and they had mm. um, all kinds. I went for Thai because, you know, I love Thai food. Yeah. And um, so we had, we ate lunch there in the, in the restaurant, kind of a liner actually, because it was in the afternoon between lunch and dinner and then we went and shopped the grocery store and they had like you know big pigs heads with sunglasses on and they had um why do you think they put sunglasses on them was it bright in there well i think because it's kind of creepy to stare at a dead pig's eyes but okay um and they had octopus and a bunch of things that we don't see on the harbor very often where we live on the coast and um, one thing I loved is there's certain Asian foods that were about a third of the price there than they are down on the harbor because down here they're kind of specialty foods. But there I got like rice noodles for 89 cents and I got um, tapioca um, wrappers for the salad rolls we like to make for a lot cheaper, about a third of the price that they are down here. Because wow. down here, they're kind of specialty items, and you have to get them like the health food store or something. And um, But yeah, they had really good prices for things like that. So I got a few things, which um, we need to make salad rolls, because I got tofu and... and um, tofu? You, you love those salad rolls. Yeah, they were okay. They're good. Mm -hmm. So I got the stuff to make those, and... We had fun just kind of shopping around and looking at different things that we don't have down here in the in the woods. In the woods. <laughs> well, well, we, we live in the woods. We live right near a rainforest and the in the ocean, and it's you know we don't have those big huge like. Who's is that? Our son talking in the background. Yes, he's playing Lord of the Rings again. Uh, yeah, talking online with his friends. So that was my day. We had a good time. Catherine brought one of her best friends, Sarah, and mm. and I, you know, we kind of hung out. She took a lot of pictures. So if you want to look at her pictures, I have them on my Facebook page too. <coughs> okay. So. Well, um, when you were doing that, I was working on a, um, a greeting card, a talking greeting card. Yeah. Yeah, I got. Hopefully, I'll get this contract for all of them, but. A company from Russia is doing some uh, talking audio greeting cards. Did you get the contract for the the fall themed ones, the Halloween ones? Well, I did Are for two of them, and then we'll two? see how the rest of them go. Oh, okay. But uh, I did a hilarious. Uh, Can you play the little one that Catherine helped you on? Do you want to hear it? Well, you probably can't play all of it since they're buying it, but you can maybe play. Well, they haven't bought it yet. 
Oh, okay. So maybe I can play it. But just don't, if, if you do play it, no one take this and use it because someone might be buying it. <laughs> just asking you, please. <laughs> We'd like the money for it. <laughs> You're hilarious. Well, you know, we have to pay bills. <laughs> oh, anyway, um, we took, they, they wanted us to do a Halloween themed uh, greeting card that are talking. So mm -hmm. I came up with the idea of instead of doing, um, well, I came up with a parody song. Okay. And instead of it being, um, um, you remember that song that came out by Aqua called I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. That one. Well, I've heard it recently, but yeah, go ahead. Well, they did this song that was called Barbie girl and, uh, I did uh, zombie girl. And had my daughters help me sing it. And the lyrics are hilarious. It goes, I'm a zombie girl in a zombie world. Quite plague-tastic. It's so drastic. Uh, you can shoot me dead, but I come back instead. Um, it's, uh, let me see. It's well, infectious. Uh, it's infectious. Or infection. My My infection is my perfection. And that's how it came out. Do you want to hear it? Okay, I've already heard it, but you can let other people hear it. All right, here we go. This is what it sounds like. Hiya, zombie. Want a ride? Uh, Jump in. I'm a zombie town in a zombie world. Quite fantastic. It's so drastic. You can shoot me dead, but I come back instead. It's infection. My perfection. Happy. What do you think? I think that your friend Brett, who we're going to play an interview later, will like it. Cause he I played songs. it for him already. Oh, yeah. did he? I did. I did. Did he like it? Yes. He yes. thought it was funny. I, I liked his zombie story, which is kind of odd because I'm not usually so into can, zombie can stories. You, can you imagine opening a greeting card with Barbie on the front that, that has her dressed as a zombie? And it says zombie girl. And then you open it in a zombie world and then it has the song playing. Hmm. I think that'll be well, fun. Well, yeah. <coughs> hey, it puts dinner on table. Yep. Pays the rent or the mortgage. The mortgage, yep. So, yeah, that's what that's what I did. I didn't have a whole lot of work this week, so it was crazy. But I did get something really cool, and I'm going to talk about it in a moment. Um, brand new iPad case that really helped me um, be able to use the iPad in an easier and more smooth way. Plus, a safer way with you don't yeah. have to worry about dropping it. Exactly. And then also I'm going to review uh, the new movie Rise of the Planet of the Apes. So stick around for that. Hey, Gildies. This is Kenny from Night to the Guild podcast, the official fan podcast for the award-winning web series The Guild. I'm here with some really cool news. Not only are we still continuing our regular podcast, microcast, and minicast, we've now added companion casts. A companion cast is a podcast that coincides with a new episode of The Guild and will take you behind the scenes of that specific episode. I was fortunate enough to be on set for the filming of Season 5 and got exclusive interviews with cast and crew as they finish their scenes for that day. I also sit down with the creator of the guild, Felicia Day, as well as the producer, Kim Evie, and the director, Sean Becker, and get insights into the workings of this fantastic web series. So when you're finished watching a new episode of The Guild, be sure to go to knightsoftheguild.com and download the companion cast for some fun behind-the-scenes information. 
and boy the companion cast are sure good kenny does a great job on those and kind of fun having a guy on the inside we've been enjoying watching felicia day on uh, eureka yeah it's been fun seeing her she's played a really cute character on there holly is her name on the show it's pretty funny yeah, she was really good in a recent sci-fi original movie we saw, too. Which again, You watched a werewolf movie. I did, just because Felicia was in there, and I know she's a friend of our friend Kenny. So yeah. um, she was pretty, you know, usually I can't make it through a whole sci-fi original movie because yeah. usually if there's some kind of grotesque... Um, Monster. Well, no, I'm thinking of like decapitation or thing like that um within the first few minutes i know i'm not gonna be able to make it through the movie yeah but um yeah she played a like a, a red riding hood kind of character in a kind of a bizarre way well she was a werewolf hunter yeah that's how it was a bizarre way <laughs> her whole family like were werewolf hunters or something yeah it, it was kind of different and it, actually it wasn't such a bad movie because she was in it yeah she she actually made the movie tolerable the CGI was okay. It was okay. Um, and, you know, a lot of times sci-fi original movies are the scariest night on television just because they're so... Um, Bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, you're more into the sci-fi stuff than I am, but sometimes it's interesting. So I got a brand new thing that I want to talk about. Okay. It is a new case for my iPad. Now, when I got my iPad, I ordered a real cheap case for it just because I didn't want it to get beat up. And I got it. It was like 10 bucks, And it was a little leather case that you slipped it into. And you were able to stand it up and do some different things with it. But the problem with it was it still wasn't... It just didn't feel stable. That's the only complaint that I have about my iPad. I, I love it. I use it for all sorts of things, as you know. Mm -hmm. But I was always afraid of, of uh, dropping it. The cats have knocked it over. Um, it slipped out of my hands a few times. It's just not grippable because it's so sleek and shiny and everything, and it's, and it feels like you're gonna break it. Mm -hmm. You're not paying any attention. Um. Yeah, I was just looking at pictures of our Seattle trip while you were talking about this. But go ahead. You you like your your toys? Talk so about your toys. I have done a lot of research. So I got a little thing that I snapped it into a different case, and it's okay. But it still was slippery and didn't allow me to grip the the iPad like I wanted to. See, I, I do a lot of filming with it, and unfortunately, sometimes as I'm filming, I'll hit the off button, and it erases all the film that I just did. Or or I'll put my finger over the top of the, uh, the, sound. the camera or the, or the sound. sound. The sound gets cut off a lot of times as you Yeah, because it's just it. hard to grip it. It's just a big rectangle. So um, then I got another case that uh, it was okay, but it just didn't do what it was supposed to do. Then I was doing a lot of reading, and I found that they had these these big, huge cases that you could put it into, and and they were like called the Kraken cases, and and uh, you could drop it and do all sorts, of, and they had grips on it and everything. And I thought I may maybe getting one of those, but they didn't make them for the iPad too. That's been our problem. There's a lot more cases out for the iPod One than there are iPad Twos, and you bought a couple of the iPad One cases on accident. by accident, yeah. like. And they, thankfully, they're only like four dollar. Yeah, it wasn't a big deal. But if you know anyone with iPad One that wants a case, we might have one around here for them somewhere. It's true. Yeah. Um, so this one, okay. So I'm doing all this research, and then I was reading a review of people that work in the film industry, 
and how a lot of people in the Hollywood scene and uh, filming and up in Vancouver and different places where they do a lot of filming and stuff mm-hmm. have the iPads because they can do all their scheduling on them and watch different things and Send bring documents back right. and forth without noise and stuff. Right. So mm-hmm. they were having the same problem I was with being scared of dropping their iPads. Mm-hmm. Somebody came up, uh, this this company called Handstand came up with a a a case called the handstand mm-hmm. <clears throat> what a remarkable case it is okay so this is i'll describe it to you it it's it's basically a hard plastic case well a little bit of rubberized feel to it that you pop the ipad into it's got two grips on both sides uh, of the longer sides mm-hmm. and then on the back it has like a you know are you familiar with a lazy susan Yes. Okay, Lazy Susan is... is and it's those like a you, pivoting tray or a pivoting circle thing. Yeah, it's a circle where like a, a tray will will uh, be on like little ball bearings and it'll it'll roll around. Well, in particular, on this iPad case, it will... It, it has a, an elastic strap that you put your hand in like a camcorder. Mm-hmm. You know how in a, in a camcorder you put your hand and then you can... With your fingers, you can reach the buttons on the top of the camcorder. Mm-hmm. Well, on this case, there's a little elastic thing that you slip your hand into, and then above it, on this rotating disc, is a little place where you rest your fingers so that it it takes all the strain off, and and your hand becomes an extension of the iPad, so it's kind of like having a big big pad on your hand, and you can move it back and forth. It won't fall out, Mm -hmm. and then you can... And then if you want to move it, it actually circulates around so it, it actually moves around like a lazy susan mm-hmm. but it's it's hard enough that it won't just do that by itself it just clicks in places they have like 28 mm-hmm. little clicks that you can do and so as soon as i got it i popped it in there i haven't taken it out yet since i got it kind of fits like a baseball mitt as far as that's like what it, it feels just, like yeah you know, it's just on your but your hand, hand is open and so it's it not becomes part of your hand kind yeah of. and it is fantastic um already I use my iPad even more than I did before. It it goes right over my little stands that Andrew built for me. And now I don't feel like it's going to drop or get hurt or anything like that. What's our dog barking at? Um, Catherine is dog sitting, so she was going to feed the dogs or, or check on the dogs. Oh, so that's why our dog is barking? Yeah, and I think there's all neighbor kids outside too. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, well... Um, so the So it's called the handstand. Uh-huh. And it's called The Revolution is at Hand, and you can find it at uh, thehandstand.com, I think. And is one where... nice thing about it is that it has a little empty place on the side that you can put the power into yeah, it. Yeah, it's got the little holes cut out so you can plug your earphones in. And you can the power. The power button. You bu- don't have power to take it in and out of charge. the case. Right. I don't have to take it in and out. And it's really been fantastic. I'm... And I still have a big smile on my face where, where I have the idea that this thing that you put on your hands real elasticy and so i thought if someone had a slim enough arm they could like just put it up over on their on their upper arm and go jogging and and you were like yeah they could and i'm going do you know how ridiculous that would look you know how hey andrew would you go get the dog so she'll stop barking how you see people um jog and stuff with the little nanos on their arm or even ipod touch but i probably would take the ipad with me that don't you think that would look kind of ridiculous to have that on your arm if you were walking or jogging? Well, maybe not walking as much, but jogging. I don't care. You don't, you don't Why would so. I care? I was just thinking it would be really funny looking. 
It's oh, kind of like putting a record player on your arm instead of a CD player. <laughs> okay. So if, if you use the iPad, I highly recommend the handstand. It, uh, for at least for me as a media guy, it really, really helped me to feel a lot safer with my iPad. And it's just, it really feels like it's protected well now, and I feel really good about it. So I, th I think the cost of it was, uh, the, the retail cost is 50 bucks. But oh, really? I got it off of eBay for less, uh, I think $10 less. So you can get so them for a little bit they cheaper. They are really cheap, but they're really No, but handy. you know what? The iPad Compared is... Compared to dropping your Well, the iPad. iPad's over $500, and you, you, don't, you don't want to drop it. You don't want to drop it. So that, that's a good investment to protect your investment. Exactly. Yeah. So it's called the handstand. Mm -hmm. The revolution is at hand. All righty. Okay, so we'll be right back with a review of... Um, the Rise of the Planet of the Apes movie that I got to see. Stay tuned. Big Brother? No. Survivor? No. The Office? Angela. Then what do we talk about? Gaming, sci-fi, fantasy, and geek stuff. Really? Yes. Cool. <laughs> I'm Jen. And I'm Angela. And you need to listen to the Anomaly Podcast, where female and fandom converge. Find us online at anomalypodcast.com. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y podcast.com. go a little bit of music from rise of the planet of the apes <laughs> so what did you think of the movie well i'm going to try to do this without any spoilers i thought okay i've been waiting you know how much i love planet of the apes and uh i call my dog an ape now hello little ape i'm petting her little ape dog my little caesar cornelia Okay, so I went into it. I thought the, the the if you've gone to any of the movies and you've seen the the trailer for it, it appears to be a pretty cool looking, intriguing movie. Uh-huh. Especially as you're not paying any attention at all to me. <laughs> I am. Quit looking at the iPod and pay attention. I messed up on my profile picture. I was wanting to fix it. It only did the top of my head. <laughs> You can but, fix so it in a moment. Did, what did you think of the, the movie? I'm trying to tell you, but okay. you're not listening. You don't care. Well, I, I've already kind of heard, so I thought you were just talking to our podcast listeners. Uh huh. So go ahead, dear. Okay, so I was a, I'm a real fan of the actual original Ape movie. 
and I've liked even the the Tim Burton sequel. I thought or or movie interpretation was pretty good. Uh, not most people don't like that one, but I I liked all the ape movies, so I followed it. So in seeing this particular um, premiere at the or preview at the movies, when I saw X Men and when I saw Green Lantern and when I saw I've seen a lot of movies this summer. I don't usually do movies, so this is kind of rare for me. Uh, but when we what was the last movie we went to see, Andrew? We went and saw Captain America. Yeah. And they had a, a a preview for Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and I it really looked good. What I was very impressed with was the CGI and how they were making the animals look so real. When I knew that they weren't actually real animals. Yeah, but you said they looked real. Yeah. Quit messing with your Facebook. <laughs> I'm trying to fix my profile picture. We're going to have a problem here in a second. Okay, I put my Facebook down. <clears throat> my iPod touch. I just want you to know, for years she used to hassle me for <laughs> looking at my iPod or playing on the computer or doing stuff. And then okay, look at cause she Because I wouldn't be paying attention to her. And now she does the same thing you, to me and, and now doesn't have a problem with it. <laughs> you have my eyes. Look it. Okay. I'm not even holding my iPod Touch or even looking at it. Very good. So um, okay, so this movie I haven't seen the movie. So. No, but I actually think you'd like the movie. Even though I'm not a big Planet of the Apes fan. Well, it's not, it's not hokey and corny like the actual Planet of the well, Apes. And it it's set in today's time, not like the 1970s. Right, and and I'll, without going into huge detail, let's just put it this way: instead of being evolution based uh-huh. in this particular movie. Um, it's more based on man's ability to mess with DNA and genetics. And so basically you can, and you know this from the previews, if you watch it, so I'm not spoiling anything here, but the guy, uh, James, how do you say his last name? Franco or something? I don't know. He's the scientist guy and he has developed this, um, this drug that they are testing on the apes Mm -hmm. or on chimpanzees and different things, um, as a cure for Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Oh, however you say it. Alzheimer's. I don't know how to say it. Alzheimer's, okay. And basically what it does is it it, it affects the brain and tries to fix the brain when it so that it has uh, heightened memory um, retention mm-hmm. and fix the pathways in the brain. And so they try it out on the animals and everything. And I won't say what happens, but um, obviously we know that they get super intelligence and you know, as time goes on, some interesting things happen. However, what what you don't see in the previews is really the the heartening and heartwarming part of the movie, which uh, will appeal to most everybody. It's it's very very good in it. So it has some people storyline, very not much just so. Ape storyline. Yeah, it's even got some love stuff going on. Kind of cool. Uh, but the but the way that I knew <laughs> it's just so funny to see you say love stuff going on. You, you, it's just cute how you shook your head. It's yeah, so funny. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. see, it, well, it's not like... a chick flick, but but it's. But I think it has it's a little bit. I think they do it enough that you are touched by the characters mm-hmm. in a in a way that moves you emotionally, and so that therefore, as the movie progresses, you're invested in the characters, even mm-hmm. even the made up characters. You you come to like Caesar quite a bit, in the in the, the way yeah the the way they he's a chimp, a chimpanzee, okay. and you come to really like him, and you come to like the apes and stuff, even the uh, kind of scary ones. Mm-hmm. The guy that played Gollum in the Hobbit, 
Andy mm-hmm. Circus or Circus or whatever you say his name. I'm so Not bad sure. at that. He actually did the character of Caesar in that stop motion suit. They actually had five or six main characters use one of those suits. Uh-huh. And they actually acted it out, but the computer rendered them then. Mm-hmm. Even their eye movements. So so their skeletal structure, their facial inspre- Inscr- expressions, expressions the way their eyes move. Were real acting. Right. They weren't just like so. That's what's so uncanny an about artist it. Drawing when it. you're watching the movie, you forget that it's CGI about probably five minutes in, and mm-hmm. so the rest of the movie, you are sucked into this world of characters that you come to believe in, and as you're watching it, it's just it's riveting. I I can't tell you one point that I was ever bored with it at all. It was fascinating the the way that they did it. You you're going oh my goodness. Then the cool part for us eight fans. Is they paid a bunch of homage, homage? Is that how you say it? Homage to the original uh, ape movie, hmm. you know the one that Charlton Heston was in. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, you you didn't like that one. Well, I I think I might have enjoyed it back in the like seventies or eighties when I watched it the first time. It's just it's one of your favorite movies, so I've watched it a few more times than I would have liked to. The naked butts. That's what. Uh... Yeah, I didn't think so but i don't you know it's not my favorite movie at all right well this one they paid they paid respects to it there was a character in the movie named dodge and he is uh uh, one of the workers at a place where some apes are being held at and he has most of the lines that everybody will if you're an ape fan will get a huge kick out of and it's funny um there are times when it's hilarious and other times when it's tragic. But uh, they use some of the lines from the original movie. And it really, I don't know, it's just kind of like comfort food, like eating macaroni and cheese. You kind of come back to it and go, oh, that's kind of cool. So what do you think it is that makes you like Planet of the Apes movies? I think it was the fact that they made animals. I love animals. Yes. Yeah, so and do. I think it's cool when they talk. And I think it's cool when they bring them to life like they did. And what's really fascinating about this movie, it's not anything like, the original movie so it's not like the apes are around are around having conversations and stuff even though there's at, at one point in the movie you watch and uh caesar um does sign, sign language and another ape in the movie was in a circus and so he knew sign language and so they're talking back there's captions under the apes it's hilarious <laughs> but it's really funny in case you don't know sign language they right. interpret for us yes no. and it's so funny okay um but it, funny in a in a tragic sort of way so you'll just have to go watch the movie to get the rest of that then um there were a few surprises in the movie now now that we know the plot of planet of the apes the, the first movie mm-hmm. that was out there really isn't anything that they could do to really surprise you, really. There's no real twists. Um, you know, they don't find the Statue of Liberty at the end, those kind of things. Yeah. Um, this was done in a different way. And like I said before, it wasn't done with the evolution in mind. But my, my question what? is, it does it go along with the canon of the original movies? Would it fit in? <coughs> um, because in the original movies, Caesar came back with his parents in the in the spacecraft that the astronauts had left on earth right because she was pregnant zero was pregnant zero was pregnant and so she she brought back an intelligent chimpanzee no it it doesn't follow that canon so it's just totally like a reboot 
Well, yeah, it's a reimagination of it, I would say. Well, you know, Star Trek did that with their last motion picture. Yeah. They kind of strayed yeah. from the canon as far as it made up a whole different timeline. Universe, yeah. Um, well, it has kind of a different timeline because yeah. their timeline was altered now. So things are going to be different. Right. So so the movie uh, Planet of the, uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes had a few surprises in it. And one surprise that made all the audience gasp. And it was came out of nowhere and was just fantastic. I won't say what it was because yeah, you, you have to watch it. you can't tell me because then You have to watch it. it. But every, it was so funny. There wasn't a whole lot of people in the theater. Because it was the first show, it was like at one o'clock in the afternoon, so there wasn't a lot of people there. But uh, right when it happened, everybody went, oh! and some people like applauded a little bit. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I like that when that happens. Now you've got me curious, and I almost want to go see it. And, and then I at the very like end, there's another another big surprise, and you, it sends shudders down your spine. And uh, and then um, stay for don't leave after the credits because but i don't want to go see it if they're gonna like kill all the humans like that one planet of the apes movie where where caesar leads a bunch of people up to like get all the humans and stuff i don't like kill that all humans i don't like that kind of movie so just stay for the credits it's only a little bit away into the credits that they show another scene that kind of leaves it open then for a sequel. For a sequel, yeah, they have to do that. I hope they do a sequel because the way they did this, they should win lots of awards on this one because I'm telling you, you cannot tell that it's computer generated. Mm -hmm. You seriously thought, man, they trained some pretty awesome apes, even though I know they were all CGI. Mm -hmm. They were done so well and with that mo that uh, that. Uh, motion capture stuff that so do you think you that they know. had any real apes in there too i don't know as part of i don't know thing? there were some points when they were they they get onto the golden gate bridge uh -huh. and there were some points where i literally had to look away because i was going to puke because they did such an awesome job with the uh you know them swinging and doing all this stuff and when they're up in the trees and stuff you literally felt like you could fall out of the tree it was so well done mm -hmm. it was really really done well Wow. So amazing special effects. The score was really well done. The movie um, sounded really good. Mm -hmm. uh, they did a really good job on that. So it gets an A-plus from me. Very recommended. And I actually would go see it again if you want to see it. And I'd even, this is one of those ones that I'd like to get on Blu-ray. It's that good. Wow. And we don't buy a lot of movies anymore. I mean, other than your Star Trek ones, you have yeah. to buy those. But yeah. we don't buy a lot of movies so there you go, my review of Rise of the Planet of the Apes. If you're an ape fan at all, you'll love the movie. Um, if you're not an ape fan, you'll love the movie. It's really quite touching and well done. And you, it really, especially if you're an animal lover, you'll get a little bit upset at sometimes in the movie and want to bash some heads. I'll just tell you that. Well, you know, our family is such huge animal lovers that we've gotten in trouble a couple of times. And... Just two quick little stories, and then we'll get on our subject for the day. But we've only gone to one rodeo, and only one uh, rodeo because we won't go the, back. Within the first five minutes of the rodeo, a horse got hurt really badly. Hurt and, really bad. It broke a leg, and and they it had to be put shot it down. Yeah. And it was like I was bawling within. I've always loved horses, so I was bawling at, within like. The first five minutes of thing, I just had tears running down my face. And then, um, you know, not all rodeos are probably bad, but I just, like, if you're really sensitive about, you know, animals, I 
I raised lots of animals, and it's just it was always hard for me if we lost them. And then, um, and then there was also a time when our oldest child was just starting to watch movies. He was what two and a half or three, and we watched like The Incredible Journey. It was a Disney film with with cats and dogs going across country to find their owners and stuff. And this cat falls in this river and and he is convinced that the cat drowned and he starts bawling and bawling because we've raised him with animals. We had cats and dogs and guinea pigs and all kinds of critters, you know, while he was growing up and he just starts bawling and bawling because the cat died and we're, you know, he's too young to realize at the time that this is make-believe and then even when they found the cat alive later, he was still inconsolable and it's like, oh, wow, what have I done? <laughs> I've raised a sensitive child. But, well, you know, we love our cats. Worse. Yeah, our cats and dogs. Our dogs. And we've had lizards and guinea pigs. I was ticked at my cat this morning. He didn't come in until 5 a.m. Yeah, he was kind of a naughty cat. We try to have all the cats in before we go to bed. We try not to let them out anymore because they fight with neighbor cats, and we don't like that. But, yeah, we've gone off on animal tangent. Yeah, sorry. But it started with your pun into the apes. So, yeah, you'll like it. So, highly recommended for me. Go see Rise of the Planet of the Apes. We'll be back in just a moment, and we'll get into a cool interview that we had with our friend Brett from Kansas, Illinois. Ah, Taking With You with Rick and Amy. It's one of the best podcasts around, and we'd like to think maybe we could be a close second. We can only be a close second if you come and listen to us. Well, we talk about classic television and films from around the world. So, if you fancy listening to us waffle on, then please do join us. You can find us at waffleon.podbean.com or go to our favourite place in the world for podcasts. Well, maybe not yours, it's mine because I can't quite figure out any of the others. And that's iTunes. Just type in Waffle On Podcast. We'd be honoured if you join us. Waffle on. Our good buddy Meds is so cool. Do you know that he and his wife are going to be on the program next week? Oh, cool. Yeah, we're going to interview them on Monday. I know we worked on some questions. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about what it's like to live in a home where the the couple have a different set of of what they think about faith. There's a lot of people that, you know, Mm -hmm. that uh, we, you and I happen to agree on on what we've chosen to believe as as far as faith is concerned about mm-hmm. God and stuff, and uh, but n- a lot of people don't have the same views. You know, somebody will marry into a family that's Catholic and they're not Catholic, or or somebody will marry somebody that doesn't really believe in God at all. And mm-hmm. how do you deal with that? And on a practical basis, because uh, Natalie is Med's wife, who's just mm-hmm. a sweetheart, and they are just a really neat couple, and they've been married for I think two or three years now. Three years, three. Is it three? Anyway, we're going to talk to them about how they get along and how they deal with differences in faith. And, you know, it is, it's very common, you know, especially with people traveling a lot more. It used to be if you lived in one region, then you, you know, had this particular faith background. But with 
people traveling more, meeting people from all over the world on the Facebook. The world has gotten much smaller. Small. Yeah. I, I think about a cousin of mine who was raised in a Christian family, and she married a, a Jewish man, and then their son grew up with both kind of backgrounds. He went to Hebrew school, but also went to church with his mom. And then he met a Japanese girl at college, and they had a Buddhist wedding because she's from a Buddhist background. Right. So it's like, you know, this is a common issue today. How do you um, blend your faith and your, um, you know, I don't know, get along with different belief systems and yeah. backgrounds? And Well, there's a that. way, and, and I think sometimes we... When when we were really heavy into a church setting, um, we didn't really talk about this other than it was bad. You know, you shouldn't have, shouldn't be with somebody that doesn't believe the same way you believe. Well, and, and, and I do think that... But they it, never talked about how do you get yeah. along together and, and, and how and do you work does, through it. It does make it easier if you have a similar background and similar faith. But the, the thing is, probably half the people that are married or in relationships or more... Or more don't they have different backgrounds? And, but, and, and, and how for do some you reason, the church never addressed how do you deal with that. They just said don't. <laughs> right. Well, they they basically you know made it made out the person that does, didn't have the same faith as to be bad and mean and nasty, and yeah. when in fact that's maybe not maybe not be true. So how do you deal with that? And so we're going to talk about that and mm -hmm. from a personal perspective. Um, that's what's coming up next week. Mm -hmm. But today we have a, an interview that I did with Brett Hammond, who is a pastor uh, from Kansas, Illinois, that uh, woke up to a big surprise here a couple of weeks ago when uh, somebody knocked on his door about 3 a.m. Mm -hmm. and uh, his 100-year-old church was burning to the ground. And I think we've had him on... Yeah, he was he was on the before. podcast talking about his zombie story and yeah, and his a, pastoring and all that jazz. A zombie Amish story. Yep, it's pretty cool. If that's quite a combination. You can but, go back in our archives and listen to his yeah, show. It was really really. It was well a done. fun show. But I got to sit down with him and talk a little bit about um, how he is dealing with that, how their church is dealing with the whole thing, and I think uh, one of the things that we want to encourage everybody at um, here on the podcast is that. Um, we do know that bad things happen to good people mm -hmm. and how we bounce back from them is probably the most important thing. Not necessarily what happens to us. It's how we deal with it. And mm -hmm. in this particular arena, I think Brett and his congregation are being very elastic mm -hmm. or flexible. Well, and so sometimes you have to find the little things that you can be thankful for in the midst of a big disaster I remember when we had um, our roof blow off in, in a the bad hurricane, hurricane yeah. a few years back. Um, not only did our roof blow off, and um, but it knocked out all the power in our area for six days because all the <coughs> trees that came down in our area, it took them six days to restore Hundreds power. Hundreds of trees, yeah. We were without power. We were without telephone, both cell phone and um and home phone. We had cell phone. Some cell phone, but our, our signal was greatly reduced because yeah. some of the cell towers had been knocked out. Right. Um, but no home phone, no electricity, and no water for a yeah. couple of days. And yet I had to get a kick out of the fact that 
God provided water for us to flush our toilets because we had water coming out of the light fixtures because it was torrential rains along with this hurricane. And so we had, um, we took our ice chests and put them underneath the light fixtures to catch the water. And then we were able to yeah. gravity flush. with. And then we with... used our barbecue in the middle of December. Yeah, we, we had a burner on the barbecue and our neighbor would bring over her pan of water. And for say, coffee. I really need some coffee. Can you heat this water for us? And, and that's so what we, did. we just kind of pulled together and and made things work and checked on our neighbors. We had a neighbor that didn't um, that was on oxygen and didn't have power, yeah. so we had to help her hook up to a battery thing. Uh, her portable um, oxygen. And yeah. You just kind of pull together when you're in a situation like that, and I think we'll probably hear stories from Brett. I know that they. Yeah. They. Um, You'll hear some interesting. Had things. help from the community in different ways. And yeah. Very cool. And God provides, and you just have to be thankful for the little blessings. Oh, we had um, some friends of ours stop by the other night. Just they'd been out. They moved away after the storm, but they had been out at the beach surfing mm -hmm. in this cold weather. I don't know how they did it, but they did. But um, they stopped by just impromptu. I think we remember where Moriers live, and. When we had to move out of our house, the day that the storm happened, we had just put up our Christmas tree alive, well, not live, but a fresh Christmas tree. We had just decorated it and plugged the lights in when this when the storm blew out the power. Yeah. And and so six days later, we were having to move out of the house so they could rip up the carpets and take out the sheetrock and stuff and start the repairs and drying out the house. And I looked at the Christmas tree, and I hadn't cried the whole week, even though it had been pretty stressful. But when I looked at the Christmas tree and thought, we're going to have to leave this because we just took our beds and bare essentials over to a rental house. And I thought, we don't have room. We aren't going to be able to take the tree. And right then, our friends pulled up, and they had had some storm damage, too, and had just taken some wet carpet and stuff to the dump. And they had a trailer. Mm -hmm. And they said, is there anything we can help you move? And I had put this giant bag underneath the Christmas tree so that when we were ready to to get rid of it, we could just wrap it around and keep the pine needles from going everywhere. So I said, could you take our Christmas tree to the rental house? And so we put that big bag around it, tied up the top, and they hauled off the Christmas tree to the rental house. Yeah. And, and we saw them just a couple nights ago. It was kind of a neat thing where I, I was going, thank you, God, you saved me from a meltdown. I got my Christmas tree over there. Yeah. And I know a Christmas tree is not what Christmas is about. But, you know, when you're a mom and you have traditions that you always do with your kids that yeah. kind of make holidays special, you kind of, it's just important to you to have those things to make things homey and comfortable. And Yes. So God provided. Yeah. We had, the, the thing that sparked me, I was trying to get an interview with one of our listeners uh, named Ken Seals. He is a longtime listener of the podcast. Him and his wife live in, is it New Jersey or where, where were they at? Um, I'm trying to look here. They had a huge tornado that came through 
I'm trying to find the where it says. Yeah, one the, of their children saw like a funnel cloud come. Yeah, I'm, their I'm house. trying to find out. Anyway, a big tree fell on their home, and they are now homeless, living in a in a, a um, in a hotel, after a severe thunderstorm and what residents believe was a tornado, swept through their brick and neighboring towns on Friday night. Uh, this was a week ago, Friday, I think. And and there was a, a hole at one end of the damaged area. And uh, basically, Ken said it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot bigger. But I guess dozens of trees fell. They, it knocked out power for 10,000 people, mm -hmm. um, as well as uh, Birchwood Park and Forge Pond neighborhoods across town. Uh, just Just a huge amount of damage was done. And they actually have a picture of them. <clears throat> on the news here uh, that I'm reading right here. And hey, at least K. Ken, I, I love your shirt. He's wearing a Star Wars shirt. Uh, yeah, there's a picture of him and his wife in front of their house that has the big tree on it and a crane lifting the tree off the house. And none of the none of their kids or themselves got hurt. They didn't get hurt. So I guess they, uh, they, they made it out okay. But uh, it was absolutely devastating. And... Uh, now they're living in a hotel while their their house gets fixed and all the insurance people are coming over. And I guess um, uh, from what I understand, um, some people from the Osborne uh, Osborneville Baptist Church are helping and just a, lo a lot of different things they, are they going on. They brought them meals you know, so they don't have to eat out all the time. They can get some home-cooked meals and yeah, stuff. Yeah, which is, which is really, really cool. But I just can't imagine. Uh, well, I can't imagine. We kind of went, we through, went through, through a very, very similar thing. We had to move out of our house for six weeks. And thankfully, we had some friends that we went to church with that had a rental available that they um, were going to flip and didn't sell yet. Yeah. So we so got to move in. And... If, if you want to... Um, I can if you, anybody wants to encourage Ken and his wife Michelle, uh, you can send me an email and I'll I'll forward it to them. Uh, but uh, be praying for them as they get all their stuff put back together. It's we know what it's like. It's just a, a hassle to be. Oh, I remember all removed the, from the house. And, yeah, and we had like a two-inch thick thing of paperwork for our insurance that we had to keep all the receipts, and it was a. It was a big process getting everything fixed up again and so you can move back in. and Yeah. And we understand, we feel for that community because I think our whole county and part of the neighboring county were out of electricity. There's like 60 people, 60,000 people in our county that were without a power. Yeah. And, um, it's, you know, we're kind of spoiled. I know that there are parts of the world that have never had electricity and they're just kind of used to it, but we're kind of dependent on it. And yeah, it was, um, it was crazy. It was a crazy time. Well, I, I feel for these, these folks and, uh, they're just very special people. And let's just keep praying for, uh, Ken and Michelle Seals. And again, if you wanted to, uh, reach out to them and let them know care about them praying for them just send me an email rick at taken with you dot com and i'll forward it to them and uh, i i'm sure that they would uh really appreciate any prayers or encouragement they can get and so speaking of that since uh friends of our podcast went through that we also had our friend brett 
that a uh, couple weeks ago there his church burnt down to the ground mm-hmm. and that was it was an older church been in the community for 100 years uh-huh. it was a real Wasn't huge it deal old, longer than 100 years yeah longer than 100 it years but about, brett will talk about it yeah. i talked to him and he goes into detail about what happened but we'd like to play that interview for you now and we'll be back at the end to wrap things up so here's an interview we had with brett hammond um about uh, a situation that occurred with him and his church, so enjoy. Well, with me today, I happen to have a great friend of mine and of our podcast, Brett Hammond. Hi, Brett. Hi. How Was are you, Rick? How are you? How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good, Rick. Oh, I'm good. We're adjusting well. How are you? Well, we're doing fine as well. Um, not so long ago, you had some really interesting things happen. Now, you've been on our program before. Uh, you've also uh, made some comments on our Facebook uh, things and, and subjects of the week and all that jazz. And we kind of follow what you do. And we also have listened to your special um, that you did um, on The Martians Are Here and read your short yeah. story that you did on zombies and all that jazz. But you had quite a traumatic experience happen here in the last few weeks. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened? Well, Friday morning, the uh, 22nd of July at uh, 3.26 in the morning, I got awoken by a lady who was ringing my doorbell and screaming, your church is on fire, your church is on fire. Ooh. And uh, That's a that was not the way I wanted to get woke up. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little different. So, I mean, uh, that jumped me. I jumped out of bed, got dressed, ran out the door, and sure enough, the church is right across the road from us. Great big old um, brick building with beautiful stained glass windows. Um, building's 102 years old, and I can see flames shooting up from behind. Oh, my and, goodness. Uh, at first, I thought it was the uh, fire uh, department's trucks behind us. Like, oh, good, the trucks are here. And then I realized those aren't trucks. That's flames. And oh, uh, ran out. They had already called 911, but I called them again and <laughs> just to make sure that they knew this was serious. Yeah. And within a couple hours, we watched uh, our old building um, go up in smoke, up in flames. Um, oh it's uh, people saw it from 13 miles away. They could see the uh, they could see the lights from it. It was pretty traumatic for us all. It was oh, uh, I would imagine not the way I wanted to start a Friday. No. So. What was what was your initial uh, when you walked out the door and saw that? What was your initial thought? You know, this is kind of interesting. I mean, I'll back up a little bit. I went to bed the night before at about 1235. And this is so weird. Um, two years ago in, uh, in 2009, we had our 100th anniversary celebration for the building. And I remember making the statement during that celebration that there was no one with living memory of what the landscape of our community looked like without that building. And for some reason, that's the last thing I thought of before I went to bed that night. Wake up the next morning, and suddenly I'm very aware that the landscape is about to change. Um, But, you know, as soon as I walked out the door, I knew a couple of things for certain. I I knew it was going to be a loss, but I knew that we would be fine. We would, you know, no one was injured. We were very, very thankful for that. And, uh, you know, the firemen and everybody working with us were, everybody was just fine. Um, They did, did a great job. We had fire trucks from surrounding towns because we have uh, we're a small small towns we all volunteer fire department what what town they, what town do you live in live in kansas illinois right it's and in I the was state getting, of illinois it's not kansas it's kansas it's illinois. not it's not the state of kansas it's kansas is the town illinois is the state all right okay you don't pronounce the s it's silent anyway all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> thank you we had people from just all the surrounding communities uh fire departments came in to help out and they they did a wonderful job I and mean, the building was a loss but there, there's a house 
just a few feet away from from the fire and the house is fine our house is fine you know everybody was good but i knew one thing for sure that morning and that was that we were going to be meeting with the methodist church um for sunday and uh by 6 a.m i'd gotten a phone call from the methodist church saying we want you here with us sunday and uh we also want you to speak because we feel like you've got some things you need to say wow so i spoke that morning and also you know we've just got that kind of a great relationship with the other churches in town there's two churches in town the methodist church and the presbyterian we we've just built these great relationships over the last several years and um so i was never a question if anything had ever happened to their building we would want them with us you know during that time um, so I show up Sunday morning at the Methodist church and who walks in, but the entire Presbyterian church decided to come in and have church with us as oh well. Oh my so. goodness. That just gave me goosebumps. Yeah, so, it was so very all, cool. All three churches that are in that town came together yep. that morning. Wow. Yeah, that must've been wonderful. fantastic. That's, mm-hmm. that's incredible. So do they, do they know what caused the fire, Brett? Um, the cause is as of yet undetermined. We've got some suspicions. There's no, no suspicion really of anything, you know, no arson or otherwise, right. um, probably an electrical fire somehow. Well, sure. Um, and a building that old too, I would imagine yeah. there's all sorts of things that can go haywire. Yeah. It's hard to say. Yeah. I did get interviewed by the, a guy from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosions. Wow. That must've been interesting. It was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the X-Files. Yeah, it was. It was It was like a guy from the X-Files sitting here in my office saying, now, you got any threatening mail or anything? It's like, no. Uh, no. No, people ignore me. I don't know. So in, in reading an article about the entire situation, you also were spared having the church offices or weren't in the actual church, right? Right, yeah. So our you didn't lose all house your... on the north side. Oh, that must have been really nice because you didn't lose all your records. That would have been just <laughs> difficult, huh? One of the guys from my alma mater, Lincoln Christian University, called me that morning. He's like, "Are you okay?" I said, "Yeah." He says, "Oh, you know, is the, you know are the people doing all right?" I said, "Yeah, you know, we're all we're all coping." And he says, "What did you lose?" I said, "Well, I lost a table." He says, "Well, what about your library?" I said, "Oh no, my library's in the other." And then I stopped myself and I said, "Yes, Lynn, I lost my entire library. I need all my books replaced. I need my college to do that for me, and I want them all digital this time." He knew I was messing with him. So. Yeah, well, that because I would imagine that would have been even a harder blow to yeah. lose lose all that because, as we know, and we've we've said this before, that even though the church is in a building, it's not mm-hmm. the it's not the building; it's the people in the building. You know, one of the things that I've noticed over the last couple of weeks is. And especially on that day when the the fire was occurring, it was everybody was here. It's a small town. You set something on fire, people show up. Sure, to watch. We, we're and, like that uh, here in Aberdeen as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But the people from town who aren't necessarily members of the church or attenders of the church, or attendees, they um they were so much more emotional than the members were. I mean, everybody, all of us, our members, we were, we were you know we're very attached to the place. Well, we yeah, that of course, of course. Um. But to the people in town, it's almost like the building was the church. You know, the building was this icon that had meant so much to them, and and little chunks of their lives were spent there. You know, maybe they got married there, maybe they went to you know vacation Bible school there, did this or that, or Christmas the, play, the, or a, yeah, right, Christmas plays, yeah, that kind of stuff, or you know, baccalaureate services. Right. And I think what it was was that they identified that building as the church. Whereas our people, yeah, we miss it, and you know, it's quite an adjustment. But we but, still have each other. Still have each other, and right, we're relying right, on each other, and right. so you know, I think that spoke very highly of. To I felt very good about that when I think about my people here, mm-hmm. and you know, it also made me very aware that whatever we do next, 
it can't be this it can't be this huge icon that stands by itself. It has to be something that represents the community and that everybody feels a part of. Oh, that's, a, and, that's a great idea, too. And Okay, there was one thing that I noticed. Um, you lost mostly everything from the church, but there was one particular um, nostalgic thing that you kept that didn't, didn't burn, and what was that? You're going to have to help me. What, well, <laughs> considering the fact that you have a bell tower. Oh, the bell! The yeah, bell. that was fun. Yes. And that was, again, one of those times when the whole community came out and watched it. And the reason why I didn't realize that's what you're talking about is I was actually out for having dinner with a friend of mine when that all took place. Oh, that's but so funny. After, after church on that Sunday morning, um, about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, everybody met down here. They brought in a lift truck, and they went up and pulled the bell out of the bell tower. And it was um, the only thing that was left, wasn't it? Pretty much, yeah. The bell tower, the cornerstone. We the bell tower is still standing. We have to wait till we clear up some other stuff before we can get rid of that. Right. Um, but the uh, the cornerstones, we're hoping to take it out. We've always suspected that maybe you know the people who built it left something in the cornerstone. Oh, that would um, be something, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think it's probably you know um, it might be a crystal skull, or it could. <laughs> hey, there we go. Or an ancient alien device that you the could cup contact. of Christ or right. something. I don't right. know. It's probably. <laughs> Probably building plans and their signatures and, you know, things right. like that. But when we had our 100-year anniversary, we're like, boy, we'd love to get into that and see what it is. And so tell us about the bell, then. The, the bell has been there for 100 years? Yeah, you know, the bell has been there 100 years. I don't know that it had ever touched ground until uh, after the fire. And it's just wow. so neat to see everybody. They, they rang the bell one last time as they pulled it out. Oh, that must and, have been really neat. Yeah, so they tell me. I, again, I was out having lunch, so... What, did you not get the memo or something? They called me up from, uh, they're passing through town, coming from, you know, heading back to Kentucky, and they said, we want to go out for lunch. I'm like, I want out of here for a while. Right, and I can imagine. People said, well, aren't you going to be here for the bell? I said, I've seen the bell. I was up there last year when we were doing bell tower work, right. and uh, so I was familiar with it. But I got here just as it came down, so that was fine. So obvious, um, obviously the plans for the new building then, have you have you delved into it at all or, or looked at it or...? It's funny, um, everything that people loved so much and cherished so much about that building, um, they are very aware of what the weaknesses of the building were. You uh-huh. know, it was 100 years old. It was not an ADA-built structure. You could right. not get a wheelchair in most of it. And yeah. one thing that everybody has said is, we are not having any stairs in that building. <laughs> it's yeah. all on one yeah. level. And, you know, there's they're doing a lot of dreaming and a lot of planning right now. The main thing we're getting ready to do is uh, take a tour of uh, some other churches, you know, recently built churches. That, that's a great that's, idea. Yeah, that's but, what a lot of people told us to do. Don't sorry. look at plants, look at churches. So you're going to incorporate the bell somehow into it, I would imagine. Probably out front, I would sure. say, where the entrance is. The sure. bell will be there. Sure. Take the clapper out. Don't want the neighbor kids ringing in the middle of the night or anything. <laughs> uh, Funny, though, you know, that thing's been up there 100 years, and you think, well, it's rung at least once a week all those years. Right. The clapper is actually worn flat on both sides where it strikes the bell. Oh, that is fascinating. Well, after 100 years, I guess you wouldn't think about that, but sure enough, yeah. that would probably be yeah. the case. Amazing, amazing. So as far as monetary-wise, is the church covered? Is, is the insurance going to take care of you guys, or are you going to have to do a building campaign, or what are you going to do? Well, we've got we're fairly well insured. We've got insurance on the building and insurance on the contents. Um, 
you know, we talked about it a little bit and the insurance will go pretty far. I don't think it will put up a complete new building for us. So likely we'll do some building, uh, you know, some kind of a campaign or a faith promise or something sure. or other. It's been amazing to see the amount of support that's come in from other churches. Sure. Um, we received hundreds of dollars of support from other churches and individuals who, you know, want to do something. And when I think about when I think about everything that's going on, I mean, we lost a bill, one building. We're not like Joplin, Missouri, where, you know, lose the whole town. Yeah. Yeah, the town is gone. Yeah. Um, we lost a building, and, and that's horrible in itself. But there's so many other people that I think, wow, you know, I would give to that first. And and yet right. people, our church has had a, an amazing amount of influence over the years. Uh, we've sure. sent out a lot of missionaries. We've sent out a lot of preachers. Um, so, you know, I think that has a lot to do with the impact. Um, but one of the statements I made to the church was, you know, 100 years ago, our ancestors built this building for us, you know, and to, for the kingdom. And they they built it. They decided to do that. They they wanted to build that for the future. Um, I said, we don't have a decision. You know, we don't have a choice. This has been given to us. God has entrusted us and he's chosen us at this time for such a time as this mm -hmm. uh, to be the people that do this. And I said, the last thing I would want to do is to look at the next generation and say, yeah, State Farm Insurance built that for you. You know, I, right. I want to be personally invested somehow right. beyond just picking out, you know, picking out carpet. Right. <laughs> Right, I think, exactly. I think we need an investment of ourselves in it, too. So. Well, and I think it's one of the few institutions in the world today that does leave a legacy and go on into the future like that. I mean, it's it's a, the church is a unique situation Yeah. because of the way that it's a community of people, and it does leave, you know, even though, like I said before, it's not the building per se, but the building is a place where the people do meet. Exactly. And so it, it's, a, it's a very crucial thing. So when it comes time for the big building campaign and you start working on that, will you come back on the show and let us know about it? Sure. That yeah, I'll keep you guys updated on that. That would be stuff. very, very cool. Okay, so now I have a couple of other questions about the whole situation. Okay. Um, what do you feel like in the last couple of weeks is the biggest thing you've learned from God through this whole thing? Um, biggest thing I've learned from God? I would think say that the biggest thing that I've learned probably came in those first few moments when the I was watching the fire and for some reason my mind went back to Jeremiah and uh, Jeremiah the prophet you know and if, if you ever read through Jeremiah good luck it is a long <laughs> depressing <laughs> book in the Old don't, Testament don't they don't they call him the this, weeping prophet isn't he he's the, weeping? the weeping prophet yeah, you know yeah. the night the thing about Jeremiah is if Jeremiah were alive today we would cure him yeah we, yeah we, we, we would put give him, him drugs we would put him in therapy yeah. yeah and he'd be fine he'd be happy and we would miss <laughs> out on the glory of what God was telling him um but Jeremiah this horrible book right in the middle of it is as his city of Jerusalem is being overrun as as you know the the Babylonians are there God says, go buy a field. And Jeremiah's like, okay. <laughs> so he <laughs> plops down his silver and he buys this field that in all likelihood the, the Babylonians were standing on it. Right. Um, but God knew that in 70 years, the people would be back and they would need homes and they would need vineyards. You know, they need homes to live in. I think they needed vineyards because they were going to have something to celebrate. Right. You know, vineyards have just wine. about, we got to have something to drink. We got to have some reason to celebrate. Yeah. And Jeremiah stands there and in, in chapter 32, I believe it is, he holds, he holds his uh, deed on the land and he says, nothing is too difficult for you. 
You know, he talked about God and, and his power. And uh, he says, and he doesn't go to, you know, ah, Lord God, you made me buy this field. He goes back and he says, ah, Lord God, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power. And he says, nothing is too difficult for you. And it would be very difficult for us to build that building. Um, but, uh, you know, nothing's too difficult for God. And, and then I also was thinking of Jeremiah, not only is Jeremiah depressing in himself, but then he turns around and he writes this book called Lamentations, which is one long funeral poem. You know, it's a song. It's this horrible funeral dirge. And But even there, in the middle of it, you get this hope. And in the middle of all of that, we're reminded that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and, and that his mercies are new every morning. And I just reminded our people, you know, when we woke up Friday morning, what was new wasn't a fire. You know, from from a physical point of view, we could look out and say that fire is, well, that's, there's something new. But what was really new was his mercies and his love was new that wow. morning. And, and uh, we got new opportunities to see his mercy and to show his mercy to people. That is such a different perspective than a lot of us are used to. And I think it's really interesting. The, 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 the reason you have that perspective is because of what you've read in the Bible. See, the Bible isn't necessarily a... Uh, a book full of you cannot do this, you cannot do th that. It's it really is right. a great instructional book, isn't it? I, I'm a big believer that if you dig into the you dig into the Word every day, you dig into the Bible every day, that you know you're going to encounter. <laughs> yeah, I, I joke about Jeremiah. Right. Yeah, we can talk about um, Leviticus, and <laughs> right. you sit there and go, "Why am I reading this?" It's, but what fat offering? You, what? Yeah. As you're faithful in just reading on in the good times. When the bad times come, those words come back to you. They do. Yeah. They come back up out, out of you, which is is a fantastic thing. Jer it's, Jeremiah also says, you know, if if you can't keep up with the runners, you know, in the in the uh, in the flatland, how are you going to run with those in the mountains? And how are you going to keep up with those? And you know, if you can't keep up with the horses, you know, what are you going to do here? And if and if you can't cross the Jordan when it's normal, what are you going to do when it's flooding? You know, and right. So in in those times when things are good, you go to the Word and you get a little blessing. And then when times are bad it all comes back and it's just like it floods all out of you. And, and I didn't have to stop that morning and think, what's well, a good scripture reference? Right. <laughs> you know, it just you naturally it. came out of that. Yeah. And that's a blessing. I can't claim any credit for that. God. <laughs> that all right. Okay. Well, that's my dog in the background, Jade, saying hello, by the way. Hi, Jade. She's, she's barking away. All right. Last question for you before we head out. Um, you have lived quite a life. <laughs> you, you you have you've had many many challenges through throughout your life this being one of them I think but you're thinking of the movie Forrest Gump. <laughs> That's right. Life is like a box of chocolates. And I met the president. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, you 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 have got a great attitude. You've kept a good attitude. I mean, I'm sure at times it's not so great, but yeah. uh but you kind of kept that you and your wife have had some challenges through the years. Um tell me what how do you how do you draw on that strength from God when you when you're going through this kind of thing? How I mean, we've I'm sure we have listeners going through rough times right now, or maybe they've just had a series of things one after another. How do they how do they come out like you like you're feeling right now? You know, I have no clue. <laughs> I <laughs> I I wish there was a formula. I was on the phone with a friend of mine last night going through some horrible times, and I just had to say, I don't know what to tell you. You know, it's it's just there. But here's what I believe. Um, Jesus promises us we, that he's the Prince of Peace, right? Mm -hmm. That means that he reigns in peace. That means that if Christ is reigning in your life, the hallmark of that reign is going to be peace. You know, it's not going to be that you get a weird Jesus haircut. It's not going to be that you wear a cross around your neck or even have some kind of really cool Christian tattoo. The, the hallmark of, of his reign 
is peace. And he promises there, you know, he says, uh, uh, he promises a peace that passes all understanding. And he says, it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And my feeling is when you stay in Christ Jesus, when you keep that relationship, the blessing that you get is peace. And, wow. and that's how he's known. That's really and interesting. It, it's, it, it's not a peace, you know, it's not your Prozac peace. It's not, no. it's not a peace that other people can give you. He says, uh, my peace I give you. I don't give it to you as the world gives you. And so he tells us to, to not be afraid. And is, uh, I have just always tried to believe in that and um, concentrate on that. If my people would tell you, what's the one thing he harps on all the time? They'd probably say, oh, he's always going on about peace. <laughs> well, I think that's an important part of you it. You think about this. Peace is a very um, sought-after commodity in the world today, mm -hmm. but you can't buy it with money. Right. Yeah. Um, there is only really one way to get true peace, and that is mm -hmm. that relationship with God. I agree. Wow, amazing. Well, thank you, Brett, for filling us in on what's going on with you, and we're definitely going to be in prayer for your congregation and for you as you rebuild things. And where are you meeting right now? We are meeting in the old grade school here in Kansas. It's uh, a building that uh, is it's, it's still used as a school, um, but they have an auditorium. Well, they have a gymnasium that we're using as an auditorium. They so you have, have kitchen, to tear down and set great. up. You have to tear down and set up every time. We we, we will once school starts. Yeah, and oh, the wow. basketball net is right above where we put the pulpit. So well, hey, That's see, maybe somebody can do a three pointer while you're preaching. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and they've got classrooms, and they say a kitchen where we can have dinners and things. Excellent. So we're we're very excited about working with them, and they have been they have been so good to us. Oh, that's really cool that they they've embraced that and and they're letting you use it. That's great. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you, Brett, very much, and uh, we're praying for you and hope the best for you and your congregation. Thank you, Rick. Always praying for you and Amy, and thank you. Uh, God bless you guys as well. Awesome. So there you go. That was my interview with Brett. It's quite insightful and uh, very encouraging, actually. I think it's been <clears throat> pretty amazing how God's taken care of them through the, the midst of all this crazy stuff. And he loves everybody the same, so it's no exception. Uh, if uh, God loves Brett and the congregation there, he certainly loves you as well. So uh, we want you to know that. Yep. You yawn and say, yep. Yeah, I, did I yawn? Yes. Oh, I must have just needed more air. I'm not That's bored. what it is. I'm sure I'm not That's bored. what it is. So um, anyway, we hope you were encouraged today uh, on the podcast. We kind of had a... Another kind of smorgasbord of all sorts of different things and a fun review and all that jazz. And we'll be back again next week, uh, this time with an interview with our good friend Simon Meddings and his wife Natalie. And we'll be talking about um, how do we get along when we have differing faiths. Mm -hmm. Should be very interesting, I think. Yep. So we want to encourage you, if you're going through a rough time, if you're having having uh, crazy things go on, hang on. It's just a season. It'll get better. And you got someone who cares about you. God loves you and cares about you. And so do we. Yeah. So, Amy, you want to say a prayer and we'll go? Okay. Um, Father God, I just um, thank you for being with us through good times and through hard times. And I pray for each and every person, no matter what they're going through, whether they're on a mountaintop or in a valley, that they will feel your presence and know that you care. We ask all these things in your name. Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. Very nice, dear. Thank you, dear. Now you can read your iPod and not feel bad. I won't feel guilty if I look at pictures from our Seattle trip. I guess not. 
I think I fixed my profile picture. It doesn't just have the top of my head now. It has Th my full head. That's good. I, I'm, you know, I'm not very good at these techie things, so it sometimes takes me a couple of times to get things to work right. You can get a hold of us by emailing us, rick at takehimwithyou.com. Or amy at takehimwithyou.com. You can visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash rick.moyer. Or the same thing, but basically amy.moyer. And we would love to hear from you. You know what? We didn't hear any feedback from last week's program at all. I think it's because we talked about money. Well, yeah, and I think traditionally people think when a, when people talk about money, they want you to send them money, which we wouldn't mind a donation, but that's not why we did the program. <laughs> Unless you want to donate for my new mic stand that's broken. Yeah. <laughs> I have it wedged in the couch right now. <laughs> yeah. I'll get it. I'll figure something out for yeah. you. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll have to fix it. But uh, anyway, let us know what you thought about last week's program and this program. We'd like to know. It would be great. Yeah. Okay. Visit us at takingwithyou.com. God bless you. Have an amazing week, and we'll see you next time. Yes. See you later. And this has been a Moira Multimedia LLC recording production or something like that. Copyright 2011. All rights reserved. You're, I've got you trained like like Caesar. Like Caesar? You, you're saying I'm a trained ape? Ape. Ape. Wasn't that E.T. that said that? No, that was Darwin on uh, Sequest. Oh, on Sequest. Ape. Yes. Ape. And we were just so disappointed to find out that Darwin wasn't real. I thought it was a real dolphin. We're done now. We're done now. We can talk about, we can do Sequest episode later. Okay. God bless you. Have a great day. My name's Al, 
and my wife Joyce and I are big Disneyland fans. In fact, we love the place so much we started a podcast dedicated to the happiest place on earth. In our show, Tales from the Mouse House, we'll discuss some news and updates on the Disneyland Resort, reveal some amazing little-known gems we call hidden treasures, and we'll also review some of the rides and attractions that make the Disneyland Resort so much fun. And we'll review some places to satisfy your hunger attacks, as well as offer up some tips and tricks we've picked up over the years that can help you get the most out of your Disneyland Resort vacation. So, after Rick and Amy have helped you along your spiritual path, check out Tales from the Mouse House in iTunes. And remember, make it a magical day. Have you ever wanted to share something with someone just because? Well, we do a lot. So we started a podcast about, well, whatever we want. My name is Joyce. And I'm her lovely husband, Al. Uh, Well, you know what I mean. And we're the hosts of the Disneyland podcast, Tales from the Mouse House. And the Amazing Race podcast, Fast Forward. 
and I'm one of the co-hosts of the MASH 4077th podcast. And you'd think with all of these podcasts, we'd run out of things to share. But then you'd be wrong. In our new show, Just Because, we're going to share all the things that, well, just don't fit into any of our other podcasts. Yep, like videos of our puppy Kate as she plays with the water bottle. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe some episodes chatting about one of our favorite TV shows. Like Lost? Uh Uh-huh. Or maybe an audio play Al has written. And we'll even have episodes contributed by others who have something to share but just don't want to start their own podcast. You never know what you'll find on this show. Why? Just because. Visit us at because.podbean.com and in iTunes. Attention, attention, it's finally here, the first and only podcast dedicated to one of the most groundbreaking television series in history, MASH. Join the hosts of MASH 4077 Podcast, Kenny, Meds, and Al, as they discuss their thoughts episode by episode. They will also share with you some little-known behind-the-scenes information, trivia, and so much more. Find them on iTunes by searching MASH 4077 Podcast or online at www.mash4077.podbean.com. The Treks in Sci-Fi Podcast. Stand by to receive our transmission. Sci-fi entertainment news and commentary. I am Locutus, a Borg. Star Trek episode analysis. Captain of the USS Enterprise. Pokey religions and ancient weapons. Collectibles, toy, and prop reviews. I am to misbehave. The weekly Treks in Sci-Fi podcast with your host Rico at treksinsci-fi.com. Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. Join my friend, Jeff, from Canada. He's awesome. Got a great collectible podcast called Jeff's Basement. And you can find him at jeffjob.com. There will be a substantial reward for the one who finds the Millennium Falcon. That belongs in a museum. So do you. Worry, we will get to the bottom of this. I have you now. 